welcome to the Move With Love podcast. I'm your host, Bree Johnson of Heart and Bones Yoga. This podcast is a love letter to yoga teachers. It's season two, and we're doing things a little bit different this season because something I've seen in the yoga world is that the same yoga teachers often get seen the most. And well, that's great. There's a lot of yoga teachers out there that don't get to have their voices heard and yet have so much to say and so many important perspectives. And that's what we're highlighting in season two here, talking to everyday yoga teachers that have very specific niches, very unique approaches to teaching yoga so that it can give you, our beautiful listeners, different ways to get inspired about your own teaching, get more confident to stand up as who you are, even if it's a little bit different from what the mainstream yoga world is. I cannot wait to introduce you to our beautiful guests for this season. Enjoy. Welcome to this episode of the Move With Love podcast. And we have two really wonderful people to share their wisdom with us today. And these two people are mentors in our Heart and Bones Modern Yoga Teacher Training course. So what they do is help our teachers and the people in the training to teach, to sequence, to feel a little bit more confident in that more intimate peer-to-peer setting. And their names are Isis Cooper and Monique Fryer. Isis is in Ireland, Monique is in the UK, in England, and I am so happy to have you both. Welcome. Thank you, Bree. It's lovely to see you and it's very good to be here. (laughs) Mm, So good to have you. And Isis, nice to see you. Great to be here, Bree. Yay. As yoga teachers, and then as yoga teachers who also teach other yoga teachers, there's a lot of expectations. And I think there's a lot of unconscious stories about what it means to be a yoga teacher. And I want to use this conversation together to unpack some of those perceptions and expectations of what a yoga teacher should be. And I'd love to hear your experiences of that, both as yoga teachers yourself, and then having taught teachers to teach. The big question is, when does the learning ever stop? Does the learning ever stop as a yoga teacher? Dun, dun, dun. Big question, right? And we were joking ahead of time when we were talking about this because Isis jumped in and said, well, never. And then we laughed and said, okay, podcast done. There's the answer. Because it's true, right? (laughs) Ultimately, the learning never stops. But having that perception of the learning never stops. Okay. As teachers, we're always learning. So then when is it okay to step into your power? When is it okay to step up as a teacher, step out of what you've already been teaching and maybe teach in a different capacity? So when do we feel like it's enough and when can we know if we're ready? I think depending on the type of person that you are, you might never feel ready. And so there's a difficulty to balance out your own insecurities and then weigh up what you truly believe that you um, are trained and skilled to offer. Yeah, I agree, Monique. And I do think that um, as kind of conscious and sensitive souls that most yoga teachers probably are, you might not feel as ready. um, And you sometimes might do a little bit more of that inner reflection and questioning as to 
your competence and your your own skills and abilities and confidence but it is that inner work ultimately that kind of gets you to to realize you know that you might not ever be fully 100 ready but you know maybe being vulnerable and giving something a go is um is kind of part of that process yeah and i like those answers but then I always get stuck in my mind going, okay, yes, just be vulnerable, just be confident, just do it. And, and I know like when we all intellectually get that, but then, so how do you take that leap from like, yeah, 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 I get that. That makes sense. But uh, I go to do it and I'm, <laughs> I'm scared. And then the imposter syndrome comes up. And then I look at this teacher on social media or that teacher in my community, and they're doing so much better than me. And then what, uh, uh, how do I, like, how do I go past that? I, I can just hear people asking those questions in their minds. So how, what are some tangible ways to work with that? I think I always start with when I'm talking to like new teachers who talk about that is to to get them to start go back to thinking about their own story about how they came to yoga in the first place um so they get back to thinking more about their own journey and then realizing oh yes that somebody else might be feeling the same and that they have come along a little bit further in their journey so now they have something to offer back to those people with the similar feelings rather than when you start looking at other teachers that everything becomes so vast and you can start to feel really small and kind of like who am the whole classic who am i to to do this um so i think that's one thing to start just like the whole what brought you to yoga in the first place why yoga why not something else yeah, and I think actually looking back at, you know, yourself as a early teacher and thinking, what are the things you know now that you absolutely didn't know then or didn't learn in your first teacher training um, that you have gained along the way? And are those things that you could share with other people? That's the work, isn't it? That's the work of yoga. And that's our yoga practice is to look within and go ask those questions. Well, why am I doing this? Why do I feel like an imposter? Why do I feel scared to step into my own confidence and power? Yeah. Now, in your own experiences as teachers, how did it feel to make the transition then? Because there are moments of transition. So there's that moment of, okay, I just did my 200 hour now I'm teaching. And then that goes for a while, right? And then there's another, there's just always learning curves. And then there's another one where, oh, maybe I'm going to branch out and start to do workshops. Oh, now I'm going to maybe run a retreat or, oh, maybe I'm going to run my own little trainings or talk and mentor to other teachers. And so in your own experiences, I'd love to hear how you came to some of those steps and those phases. And what was your process to help you walk through that next phase or that next metaphorical door of your teaching? For me, actually, my first proper formalized experience of mentoring other teachers was in the Heart and Bones yoga training. Um, and I think a step, honestly, was being, you know, kind of asked to do it and, and kind of maybe acknowledging yeah, that, that somebody else outside of myself saw that potential, <laughs> that, that, that I was ready and that I had skills and, and things to offer. 
I want to jump in here. Heck yes. That is one of my favorite things to do is throw people with love into the fire. <laughs> and beautiful, sweet, wonderful yoga teachers of the world listening to it. And I say that beautiful, sweet yoga teachers of the world because working with teachers for so long, we all, I, I think if I'm going to make mass generalizations, we, we have this so much love and sharing to give. And we often put ourselves in a smaller box than we actually need to be in because it's being humble, quote, quote, or it's being like, no, you know, I don't want to put myself out there. No, this is yoga. I'm going to just, and it kind of keeps us small a little bit. And so I kind of love like pushing with love because the teaching is the learning, isn't it? So to step into these roles, we learn through that. So yes. So heck yeah, I'm glad I jumped, pushed you into it, Isis <laughs> and Monique. I'm glad too. Oh no, it was so lovely. Um, it made, you remind me as well, Brie, of um, in the modules, there's somewhere when you talk about pulling up your power pants, was that right? Yeah, it is, isn't it? It was. The pants was never mentioned, but you know oh, what? Okay. I, I beg your no, pardon. <laughs> let's change it. Pull up your power pants. I love the image of that. So yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's well, that's how it is in my mind when I'm feeling and I love that I loved, uh, you know, that, that honesty, that recognizing how pretty much everyone feels at certain times, and that that was included as part of the, the training as well in the module. So we had permission to talk about it as well, which I think is really helpful because half of it as well. I know for me is when you get to hear other people saying, yeah, I felt like that too. And this is what I did because sometimes it can feel like it's, I know for me as a new teacher, it felt like a mystery that you look at these, uh, you know, maybe teachers further ahead, more experienced, and they'd often never say like, well, how did they get from there to there? And so you just kind of, you know, and I always remember in my very first 200 hour training, that the teachers training us would just say, oh, when the right thing will come when you're ready. And after a while, when you're left by yourself trying to set up a class in a little community center, you think, well, I'm not sure that that's enough. <laughs> I'm not sure that that's true. And it's so vague, like the right thing will, like what's the right thing? And when am I ready? And are we ever ready? And, so, and Monique, I think if I can make an inf inference on you, about what in terms of how you've worked with your own sense of stepping into your power pants which I now officially love but on your Instagram I often see you doing the posts with the little um uh crown and I think that's a so talk a little bit more about that fun playful practice of literally wearing a crown Oh, okay. I was actually just thinking, um, it's time to get my crown out again. I've been a little bit, I've been shrinking a little bit again. And there's something about putting that, it's a plastic tiara. I just want to describe that for people. It's a plastic kiddies fancy dress tiara that a friend gave to me for one of my birthdays. And I don't know why, but putting it on makes me feel a little bit grander. And, um, and it's funny. And I just, yeah, I just um, enjoy doing that. And that's kind of like giving, giving myself permission to do these things. I think just, just going for it, give yourself permission. If you feel like 
I want to do this and you think, why am I doing it? Um, because it feels good. It's not going to hurt anyone and somebody else might actually enjoy it too. And it might give them permission to do a little bit more Then I'd say, go for it. And that's a nice reminder. Hey, this isn't just about us. Our, you know, the, I don't want to use the word neuroses, but I'm using it. That like sense of, ah, me, ah, nah, nah. it's like, why are we teaching again? Because we want to help others. When we get out of our own way, when we pull up our own power, it's actually going to empower others. When you put on our plastic tiara, it's going to help. I love those tactile cues. Anything that you'd like to say on that, Isis? I just think that giving yourself permission that, you know, we can stand in our own way quite a lot if we kind of stay in our heads or stay questioning things, but just doing it, just giving yourself the, um, the chance to do it. And then you learn one way or another. So true. You learn one way. You're always learning. And maybe that's something that we should be talking about because I think that's one of those myths of teaching yoga, especially for new teachers. Again, we take that 200 hour training and we're thrust into the teaching yoga world. We're standing in front of people all of a sudden going, uh, hi, step your right foot forward. I mean, your left. And right, like we have to be these, all these things as yoga teachers. That's what we perceive necessarily. And then we know in our own selves, well, I'm not all these things. I still have so much to learn, but wait, I'm a yoga teacher. I have to be like this. And then there's this discord, I think, in a lot of our minds and hearts because the mind is saying, yoga teacher should be this, this, and this. I, as individual me, is not that and that and that because I just swore the other day and I yelled at my kid this morning and I wasn't the most mindful human when that person cut me off. Like, right, like we're still human and I'm not fitting into this yoga teacher persona. So how do we unpack that myths for teachers who, again, we know you might be listening going, well, I know this, but my heart still tells me that I still need to be different and I'm not living up to it. Or like, how would you to address that? I think it's, it's hard not to compare yourself. Um, but, you know, I think just looking at what it is you have to share and thinking about how, you know, there are going to be people who are like you. There are going to be people who have the same um, insecurities as you, have the same feeling about their position in the yoga landscape and how by sharing what you have to offer, you know, you're going to be speaking to those people. And I think, um, yeah, that's we just need more of that, you know, so more and more people you know, being willing to just be themselves. There's a layer of confidence that you need to have of kind of looking at what you, you really are equipped to talk about and the things that you don't know yet. What are the things that you don't need to ever know about or not right now? And maybe some of the things where you feel kind of vague or fluffy when people ask you questions, your students, and that you feel that kind of panic of like, eek, I don't know how to answer that. So I think that's great when we come back to thinking about scope of practice and what do you what might you need to know and how do you respond is also part of building your confidence, I think. And I think it, it comes after time um, as well, you know, knowing that, you know, like you were saying, where you first come out and you think I need to be this all knowing, you know, all 
um, aware yoga teacher who can answer any question that arises. And over time, you realize, you know, yeah, where your lane is, you know, where your, your own scope is as a yoga teacher. And you become a little bit more confident saying, I don't know, or pointing somebody in the direction of another person or uh, another place to find out. And I think that's a really cool reminder and reflection, that evolution of confidently unknowing. And then that's like a sign of a, of a evolving teacher and evolving human. As we get older, wisdom, no matter what age, arises, I would like to think, <laughs> when we live life a little more and we recognize, well, no, I don't know. And no, my opinion doesn't necessarily mean that everybody needs to do this and giving space for others and giving space for ourselves to not know everything. Because going back to that question, when do we know everything as a yoga teacher? Will we ever know? And it's freeing to give yourself that permission not to know. Isn't it? And, and, and then that set, I like to think that sets up the stage for the people in our classes then. Because when we're confidently unknowing, we know what we know. We know what we don't know. And then we also don't know what we don't know. Because that's part of learning to write <laughs> our own blind spots. And that's our yoga practice. But then when we can have that energy and carry that intention in a class, it frees up, in my experience, it frees up the classes too. Because then our students in the classes aren't trying to be the best yogis ever and have the best shavasana and meditation. And, oh my gosh, I fell asleep in shavasana. I, I did it wrong. I think we give freedom to everybody when we give freedom to ourselves. When you're in the position then of teaching teachers, when you know that you don't know everything, how does that help you teach and mentor others? I'm going to come in here and say that um, to me, there's a, there's a lot of things that are holding us back that I know because I experienced it of feeling small, the who am I to do this, that it creates a lot of inner chatter and actually most times we do know the answer when we can clear that out when we can kind of stop feeling bad about oh i I should know how to tell them how to get into that posture or this um and then you know clear out the feeling bad the feeling small and then you can look at what what do i actually need to know here to me is going back to the the teachers that i mentored in this first cohort they were all so great and lovely and all really deep thinkers about everything as they always are you know really caring really wanting to do the best and most times just finding the right kind of questions for them to go away and think about seemed to help them find the answer themselves and I think there's such power in that you know as a learner actually finding the answer within yourself after being prompted with a question or or finding it outside of yourself and looking it up but but actually kind of coming to that yourself rather than being told an answer because it's not the answer it's your answer Monique which obviously is great but isn't the only answer try this yeah give them good questions yeah this is all I think of it more like a horizontal 
So like, because mentorship sometimes infers or teacher sometimes infers hierarchy, right? I am the teacher. Maybe that's where that sense of pressure comes from with some people when we first come out of our teacher training, because it's like, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm certified, but oh my God, I've had no experience and da, 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 da. And I'm a teacher now, so I have to be better. And that's that hierarchical thinking where really mentorship teaching can be this horizontal experience of, hey, I've had some experience over here, but you have had experience over there and you can bring that into your teaching. And in fact, your experience can probably help my own experience in learning. Have you both found that you learn more when you teach in a way, especially when you're, when these are your full-time jobs and you're working with other teachers and you're working in your classes, how much are you learning for yourselves? I think you're always learning as a, as a person first, but as a teacher, definitely. Um, I think coming away from every class you teach, you know, there's something to learn, even if it's in your own internal conversation that's gone on because of what's happened in the room whether it's something that a student has expressly brought to you to kind of question um i think there's always learning and there's there's always learning in working with other people and having conversations with other people in people bringing their experiences which are yeah just just different to your own and there's always something as, as kind of using your expression brie to chew on I think the open source learning of, of recognizing that you actually, even if you're a new teacher, might have things to contribute to other people and that you have a space where we want to hear it, want to hear what you've got to say is, is a really important part of it, um, of which also I believe will help those teachers to feel more confident by the time they come out rather than thinking, I've only been taught this sequence in such a way. Now I discover the people I'm teaching, they can't even do that. And now I don't know what to do. And I think it's better always as a learner to not necessarily always be told the answers, but to develop the skills to know how to get them yourself and how to find them out. Um, that's a much better skill to learn than just being handed the answer to swallow. Yes, enthusiastic yes on both of those things. And I recognize, you know, it is scary to do that because that's not what the most of us have been taught in school. In school, we've been told to learn a certain way. And then when we're told, no, learning is isn't linear teaching isn't like hierarchical we all have something to offer and you know like show up before you're ready and that's with a caveat like show up still with experience and you know but like before you mentally think that you're ready necessarily and that's scary and when there's not clearly defined rules that is something for some especially some minds that feel safety there's safety in rules there's safety in give me this sequence, give me this, this in yoga, you know, give me this speech, these cues to regurgitate. Remembering at the end of the day, we are teaching other people. We're teaching other bodies, humans, hearts, minds to move and to connect back to themselves. And that is, as you're both saying, an organic process. And 
learning, as you said, Isis, to ask the right question. An enthusiastic, yes. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think that as a teacher, you know, you, you have to stay curious. You have to be a student. You have to be open to like learning opportunities in, in any situation because there's always a learning opportunity, even when you're teaching. So I think, yeah, a good teacher stays curious, stays enthusiastic, and in that way will constantly evolve. Um, yeah, I agree. Yes to all of that. I definitely think two keywords are curiosity and playfulness to, to keep it fun and enjoyable. Um, and I think also um, a willingness to enjoy exploring the movement to see where it takes you, which I think is another thing that is really great about this training. That's one thing that I enjoyed is, you know, the encouragement to, oh, okay, I'm going to start by what I've learned on the training with seeing what happens with this block. And now I'm just going to see what else I can create, you know, because again, if we go back to kind of um, a dogmatic training, you can feel very afraid. So I've done, you know, several trainings over the years and you can feel quite afraid to like, oh, I'm not sure that doesn't feel right in my body, but I don't know what else to do. And that, and that again, is that how to make these things more accessible and um, creative for yourself and so that you can offer, find more ways to offer that to your students as well so that they can feel more empowered to explore for themselves. That way, they are their own teacher. You know, you're giving them that opportunity to learn from their own inner experience. Obviously, you're creating the, the situation and you're offering guidance, but really, it comes from themselves. And, and is that a good teacher who is able to create that environment where people's learning does come from within, ultimately? Sometimes when we think as teachers that we're going to arrive somewhere, there's going to be a point in the future where I'll have made it, where I'm going to be the teacher I always dreamed I was. And I don't know about you two. So I've been teaching for about 18 years or so. I don't think I've ever arrived, arrived there. I don't think I ever will. And I actually don't think I want to arrive. So having that sense of linearity, is that even a word of linear thinking of we're going to arrive? I think that's such a big misconception, misconception and myth. What about for you two? What are your thoughts on getting to somewhere as a teacher? I'm going to say in my experience, so I've been teaching full time since about 2005. So similar thing. And my realization is that what you might be concerned and worried about changes, but there will always be things that you're thinking about. Um, yeah, always. And so there's, so this is my story. So when I was a very, very brand new squeaky clean teacher, the kind of things I was obsessed with was, you know, the people that might come to your class and refuse to take their socks off. I remember getting absolutely driven crazy by it, like, you know, going out to, no, you have to take your socks off, you have to take your socks off. And now I kind of think, yeah, if you want to keep your socks on, let's see how you feel about it. <laughs> you know? And now it's other things 
on my mind, I guess, about the experience that students might be having. I think now I've come to a point where I'm very interested in trying to keep using language that puts it back onto the student to see how does that feel and and trying to always find language that they can um, follow that and explore for themselves. I feel like, you know, I haven't been teaching as long as as both of you, um, but I think I'm definitely going through the process of of not um, not really looking for that end goal or not even looking for what it should be like or what my teaching should be like. I think I've evolved in, in different ways and that I I don't just teach yoga as my full time job. I teach yoga and I um, work um, as a speech and language therapist, and and I come kind of uh, kind of full circle in a way where I gave it all up just to teach yoga, but then realized actually, you know, I wanted a mix, you know, and I think in that way, kind of really owning that 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 it's okay to do several different things, enjoy them both, and to find that balance between them, um, and I think there's. Like even in in terms of teaching yoga, I think it's seen to be like the be all and end all to teach yoga as your full time gig, you know. And like I see people thinking like, oh, I want to give up my day job to teach yoga, and I did that, and I missed, you know, I missed my day job. My day job is really fulfilling and is you know fantastic, and and juggling both of them is part of that I think confidence as a teacher in knowing that um, that you can make a choice and stick to that choice because it's right for you as well and not necessarily just because it's seen to be um, you know the, the done thing where you do your teacher training you, you teach on the side and then you go full-time with it and everything else just just falls to the side I think. What's really great is that I think I've brought my mentoring skills that I've been doing for many years in that role into my yoga kind of mentoring side of things as well. And I think skills are really transferable. I know it's like it's a, it's a clinical kind of job. So there's lots of um, lots of great things to draw on from both of them. But I think that's part of kind of the confidence, because I think there was a lot of shoulds where I thought, oh, I should I should just want to teach yoga full-time but actually there's lots of different um, avenues as a teacher and I suppose that's part of that confidence and that learning as to kind of what is the end point or the end goal and maybe not wanting that. Oh I, I can hear the sigh of relief from some of the people listening to this. I think you bringing that up there's another unconscious myth in there isn't it one of the end goals is being a yoga teacher full-time and it's going to be this, but we really are multifaceted people. And we, if I can make assumptions about all of us, yoga is our life, but yoga isn't all of us, but yet it is because it's yoga. It's not just, right. It's that bigger, deeper practice. That's the through line, in my opinion, through our lives and self-awareness and transformation. Yeah, there's a lot of beautiful ongoing conversations to be had as teachers. And I hope most people take from this conversation that sense of 
permission, maybe an exhale, hearing from those of us who have been in the trenches for a little bit longer, if that happens to be <laughs> you listening to this, going, oh, okay, right. I can still learn. There isn't an end point. There's not some magical destination. I can teach. I know what I know. I know what I don't know. I also don't know what I don't know. So I'm going to continue to learn. And we're going to create spaces. And why are we doing yoga? For awareness. Why are we teaching yoga? To help others to be of service. That's that's my thoughts on kind of this summarizing. But you two, what would be some of your thoughts to summarize what we've talked about in these nebulous sense of teaching yoga? And I say yes to all of that. So lovely. Definitely awareness. And that also... Um, that as a yoga teacher, that, that even if you're quite far along, if you've been teaching for a while, that maybe you're still beating yourself up thinking, but I shouldn't need to do any more training. And I personally would like to say, if you feel like you want it and you need it, then you should just give it to yourself. You should go and get that training if you feel it's going to be right for you. Um, yeah, because you're never going to get to this, this mysterious, I don't know, this wonderful end point, you're just going to keep growing. And that is part of the yoga, isn't it? Keep growing, keep expanding, evolving, because you're always going to be able to share that with other people who are interested in that too. And we allowed to ask you a question. Um, no, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Yes. Okay. But so with that of like, um, getting to a point where you think oh I've I've made it or I'm here do you feel that or do you how do you feel about it are you still planning more and more <laughs> oh I've arrived I feel I never get doubts I'm great just kidding I hope somebody <laughs> I hope you before you quit this podcast and press stop when you heard me say that um, <laughs> pure jokes pure jokes no this is Oh, no, because we're human, because life still happens, because we're still growing. And just as you said earlier, Monique, there's things like I loved your sock example. And I think it's such a playful reminder of like the little things when you first start teaching. Yeah, I'm not bothered about certain things, but I'm still, yeah, it's still completely normal to end a class or a workshop and walk away and be like, was that good? Should I have said that? And so reflection, maybe this is the difference. The, we become more refined over time. And, but we come, become refined by doing the work within. Like I remember one of my most intense phases of teaching uh, was, you know, I'd get feedback or, and this was kind of right around the time I was changing the way that I was teaching and I was teaching more in the sustainable approach. And and I would get, and I wasn't, it was kind of clunky when I changed it and I maybe wasn't the smoothest and maybe I might've been, I didn't change it. Um, I maybe changed it too fast for people. And so I got some negative feedback from, you know, about my classes at that time. And it was really hard. And it, I remember laying in bed one time and I had gotten some feedback from somebody and the studio owner told me about it. And I had this whole entire conversation with that person in my head. I couldn't sleep. I'm laying in my bed and I'm like, Bleh. I don't even remember what it, but like the, you know, I'm sure we have all experienced conversations with, with people in our heads. 
I'm going, you don't know me, no, 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 this is blah, blah, blah. But I remember having this moment and catching myself going, oh, wow, this is really bothering me, <laughs> obviously. And, and then recognizing, I don't want it to bother me this much. This is painful. This is uncomfortable. I don't like this. So for me, thank you, yoga. Instead of going, I don't like this, I'm going to ignore it. My practice has taught me look within and go, well, why is this like, yes, feedback is hard, normal reactions, but why is this really getting me to the core of my being? And then, so I just unpack and I unpacked and I unpacked and whittled it down. This is a very short story version of this, but whittling it down to going, oh, I just want everybody to love me and someone's not loving me right now. And that's really painful, (laughs) right? And so getting into that like real core truth and just that's teaching, that's friendships, that's, you know, that's like, we're not going to dive into Bree's life history and story, but that is absolutely one of my little things or big things, but maybe little now and relatively. And then I could go moving forward over time when I saw my reactions, if somebody didn't like my class or I perceived that somebody didn't like my class, instead of having it cut to my heart and soul and go, you're not loved or that person didn't love you. Something's wrong with you. I could go, oh, look at that part of me that wants everybody to love me. Right. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Cool, cool, cool. And let's continue forward. It's okay if everybody doesn't love me. Right. That's And what does that mean? Right. So that is what's helped me over the years as a person and as a teacher. And I say this all the time, our yoga is our yoga and yoga teachers, our yoga becomes our yoga, our experience of this practice. And so I'm okay with not everybody loving me (laughs) now, right? That took years. So I can, I can walk away from the class and it doesn't cut me to the core but I will still be reflective and I'll go, yeah, I might've been, I might've needed to say that a little bit differently, or I could have done this a little bit differently or slash walk away from the class and be like, boom, that's done. (laughs) Can't do much about it. And like walk away a little bit more confidently and not over fret and reflect. So I think in a long winded way, that's, that's me saying, do our yoga, do that internal work sit with the discomfort. What are our core seeds? Find a therapist, right? Like we are all human. We have our insecurities. Those insecurities are going to come into our teaching because we care. We care about what we're doing. And because we care, we're going to keep asking those questions and reflect. I'm sure when I'm 84 years old, I'll probably have, I'll be more refined, hopefully in terms of that, but there'll still be questions and they'll still be learning because that's the way it should be both as ourselves and as humans. And his teacher. Hey, thank you. Yeah, no, it's it's good to hear and I definitely share the same things of those times where just kind of beating yourself up, what you perceived was, I mean, for me, it comes to mind of when someone maybe would come up to me after the end of the class and go, oh, your class is slower than so-and-so's and mention another teacher's and I would immediately perceive that as I'm rubbish I've got to give it all up now, you know, and then now you realize perhaps things like, but I'll, I'll wait to hear the rest of your story, Brie, in your book. <laughs> the tell all book. 
the real life of it as a yoga teacher, the trials and tribulations of, of that inner work. <laughs> but no, Monique, I love that you brought that up. And I think that's a story too that you're saying that I think a lot of people would relate to, right? Not, and maybe another way for us that what we're saying is not to take it personally. And when we do take it personally, because we will, because it's a reflect, like what? My class is slower than... Sarah's who teaches what? So yeah, I love that you're like, go dramatic and got to give it all up. That's done. I'm over. No, I shouldn't be teaching. I just, again, I want to highlight this because this is normal. I think when we can normalize that and recognize it's not personal or it is personal, but it's not personal because we're not going to be the yoga teacher for everybody. That's impossible. And it's not a reflection. Your class is slower. Great. Right. So we got to learn, but we don't just learn that. That is a practice. When something feels personal for us, that's our ticket to freedom. That's our way of looking with it and going, ooh, yay, learning time. <laughs> yeah. What about you, Isis? Is there anything that's coming into your mind about this? Yeah. I'm just thinking that it's personal, but it's universal. Like you were saying, you know, it's something that we're all experiencing and, and what people can't see on this podcast is that we're all nodding our heads whenever anyone else is saying something because it is you know affirming to hear it from other people and I think that's one of the challenges of being like a solo yoga teacher that you don't necessarily always hear other people in their vulnerability and, and sharing those things but everyone feels it so I think even just reflecting on that and knowing that what you're feeling someone else has probably felt and everybody else probably feels at one time or another and I think in that way that can help you brush it off maybe a bit more but also kind of yeah do that inner unpacking to kind of look at why but yeah it, it's the tr it's the truth for us all I love that. It's the truth. It's personal, but it's universal. I think that is a beautiful way to wrap up this amazing conversation with you too. And, and I like, thank you for showing or telling that we've all been nodding enthusiastically about each of those things. Yeah. And that is important and having these, and this is why I wanted to bring you two on here because having these conversations as a community and as people and showing up and normal, helping to hopefully normalize this process of being a yoga teacher, this process of being human, because it's not separate, right? Like our humanness will show up in our teaching because hopefully our humanness will also help other humans be the beautiful humans that they are. And that's the yoga. Oh, what did we think we were getting into when we signed up for our first teacher trainings? Right, right? Did we think that this was gonna be, we thought we'd stand up in front of a room, you know, tell people to move their bodies and breathe and we'd be all calm and everything would be great. But then it's this whole beautiful mess of, of self-discovery and awareness. And I just, I love that. Maybe that's one of the first things that should be taught in yoga teacher training is like, welcome to the rest of your life, friends. <laughs> you know? Welcome to the deeper learning of who you are. And to me, that's life. And I, and I really appreciate you two coming on and helping to normalize being a yoga teacher. 
and normalize being yourself. It's helpful. It's been a joy to talk to you. And I'm, of course, on a purely selfish note, I'm super happy and blessed and honored to have you to also mentor the people in our training and our heart and bones community. And yeah, that's a real honor to have that more intimate experience with the people in our training, especially because it's online. So we get to have that more intimate connection in our, in our mentorship group. So you two have played an important role in people's lives in many ways. So thank you, you two. Thanks, Bree. It's been lovely to chat. Um, a pleasure, as always. Yeah, thank you, Bree. It's always good. And to you, Isis, as well. It's really, um, it's just lovely to talk to other yoga teachers and hear that we're all sharing similar thoughts and experiences. It's always uh, good. So thank you. Where can our beautiful community listening here, where can they find you, both Isis Cooper and Monique Fryer? I know on social media, Monique, you're Monique Fryer. You're Monique at, Fryer Yoga. Yeah, yeah, that's me. And then you're, and we'll have everybody, you can click on the show notes and we'll have the links and everything, but they can also, and I know Monique, you also outside of Heart and Bones mentor teachers as well. I do. Yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Yes. I mentor uh, teachers either one-to-one and I'm doing some group programs and I'm very excited that hopefully I'm going to be running an in-person session up in Yorkshire in October. So all my details for that are on my website, moniquefryyoga.com. Ooh, that sounds exciting. And Yorkshire is such a lovely area. Yeah. And you're based in Nottingham. I am, yes. Yes, perfect. And I always have Nottingham. <laughs> and Isis, tell us about where people can find you. Yeah, very simply, um, Isis Cooper Yoga um, on Instagram and IsisCooperYoga.com. And you teach online classes too. So no matter where people are in the world, they can find you? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I teach um, online and um, on, um, on demand a little bit as well at the moment. Beautiful. Okay. So everybody go out and reach out to these two beautiful humans. Thank you so much for taking this time to listen. And thank you, you two for coming on to the podcast today. I'm so honored that our heart and bones yoga teacher community is so full of beautifully curious, playful, diverse, beautiful humans. And I'm very grateful for you to share and listen to this. And if you'd love to be part of our teachers community, we'd love to have you. You can join our modern yoga teacher training course. And this course is hundred percent online and as it, which makes it more accessible. We get to have monthly live calls as a community. We have individual smaller mentorship groups. Now I could go on and on and on around this course because it's amazing. We've run it for four years. We have over 250 people, um, not registered, but certified through us. And again, we'd love to have you. So I'm going to stop talking about it so that you can go and visit heartandbonesyoga.com, read all about it, read all the testimonials from our past graduates. Let me know if you ever have any questions. Thank you for listening to me for this long. At the end of this podcast, have a fabulous rest of your day.